All right, today um, I want to start off with a quote from George Mueller. Um, you may know him. He was a, a um, man many, many years ago who started an orphanage and, and built great buildings and I think hospitals and, and just took care of orphans and so much. And he, he did it all without ever, ever um, asking any money, anybody to borrow money. And God always provided for him over and over again. Here's what he said. I believe it uh, has to do with our topic today. He said, the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is Facebook. No, he didn't say Facebook. Check my email. No. Coffee. Take a shower. Makeup. Exercises. No, no, no. Here's the full statement. The first grade and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. And um, I think this is Christian hedonism. C.S. Lewis said it this way. It is a Christian duty, as you know, for everyone to be as happy as he can be. Or as he can. So, I'm, I'm also thinking that this gift of joy that God gives us as believers is more than a personal benefit or a delight, but joy is a weapon against evil. There's always a battle going on in the world and in our life. We face every day. And, um, and if, we, if we face the day in a state of joyful worship, we win. Taking pleasure in Christ, worshiping the Lord, Delighting in God, however you say it, joy defeats every battle Satan throws our way. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a great story. In Nehemiah chapter 8, you can read for yourself. In 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat, he goes to meet an enemy. I think it's the... Um, um, can't think of it right now. He goes to meet his enemy of, of three groups of people, I believe, and um, not with the soldiers on the front lines, but with a choir of singers praising God. And God fights the battle for him and, and wins. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You might say Christian hedonism is our strength. Fight your battles with singing and worship of God. All right, in Acts 16, we see it again. Paul cast out an evil spirit, and, and then him and Silas are stripped and beaten with rods and, and put in the stocks in the inner chambers of, of the prison. And verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. After the jailer, after this, the jailer and his whole family accepted the Lord. They believed. So again, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's Christian hedonism. Being able to sing praises in the prison after being beaten. All right? Uh, John Piper tells a story about how he was called to a, the home of a person who who he was told 
was demon-possessed. And here's what he says in his own words, quote, For about two hours I talked to her and read her scriptures and prayed prayers of deliverance. She began increasingly violent, became increasingly violent, knocking the Bible out of my hand and grabbing the prayer sheets and, and shoving me. At one point, about one in the morning, someone in the group began to sing. So there were some other Christians there. It was one of our familiar worship songs. We sang it again and again, and the Lord gave us new words for it each time. She began to tremble and threaten us if we didn't stop. Then she threw herself on the floor and screamed for Satan not to leave her. She went into convulsions and then went limp. When she came to, she remembered nothing of what happened and was willing to read scripture and pray. Unquote. So the joy of the Lord, singing, singing praises to God. When, when they started doing that, Satan ran. Uh, the joy of the Lord is not only our great delight, it's a great gift from God, but it's, it's our weapon against sin and against the devil and against evil. We, can, we ought to use it every day in our life. I want to take a, a brief look then at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, Paul wrote to the believers in Corinth, and remember it was a city of idols. They had many temples to many different gods. It was a very hedonistic society. It reminds me a lot of the, the city in, um, what's that, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, the city of, of vanity, vanity. And remember they had the Vanity Fair there that went on 24-7, 365 days a year. Uh, I think it was about 1974 that I went to a carnival in Dodge City with my, my cousin, and I spent like almost my full paycheck at the carnival. I was like 16 years old, and uh, Mom wasn't really happy with me or the carnival people. Yeah. But it's a hedonistic draw, the carnival is. I didn't bring anything home with me, you see. And all these callers called out, and they, they wanted my money. They said, come over here. You're guaranteed to be a winner. But the carnival only has, like, uh, really poor quality uh, prizes. It's the same with the world, you know. Um, we could say more about that, but for time's sake, you know, Corinth was a hedonistic city. Uh, and uh, Paul lists in chapter 6... Um, some things uh, that have been going on in his life. The persecutions of the world. He lists a bunch of them and uh, uh, that that he had received along with those that were with him in the ministry. And uh, then he lists the things they, they had actually given up. They were worldly uh, goals, hedonistic goals even, uh, that hedonistic people really want but Paul says they gave them up for the Lord. And in the end, after they made Jesus their treasure, they still, in some context, they receive all these things back, but in a good way um, that is real and lasting. Plus, they receive eternal life forever. All right? So, uh, let me let me read some of that. Oops, I was 
checking my email. Excuse me, I had a text come in. Um, let's see. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Uh, let's see. We're going to begin with verse in verse 8. Just kind of look at this part of this list. We are treated as impostors and yet are true. You see, that was Paul talking about himself and those with him. Um, they're treated as impostors. Now, the world wants to be seen as real, not hypocrites. But it says here that Paul and those with him in the ministry were really true and real. They were not impostors. So they already had that. Uh, verse 9, uh, verse 8, we are treated as impostors and yet true. Verse 9, as unknown and yet well known. The world wants to be popular, right? But, you know, we know the king of kings. You know? So we're, we're already popular in that sense. Uh, well known by, by, by the Lord. Uh, they want to be... Um, we are treated, they were treated as dying, and behold, we live. The world does not want to die. They want to live, and yet we live. Uh, as punished and yet not killed. No. The worldly hedonists want to be rewarded with good and not with death. And that's what we will get as believers. Um, we're treated as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. So the hedonist wants happiness, not sorrow, but we have it. Um, we're treated as poor, Paul says, yet making many rich. The worldly hedonists want riches. Um, and it says finally, we're treated as having nothing, yet possessing everything. You see, Paul and we, we get it all in Christ. Right. We, we get extreme joy throughout persecution even in this broken world and then we get it all as well so uh, listen to what he says next it's, it's really cool um, Paul wants the, the Corinthians to have the same mindset that uh, that he has and those with him and that is to set their affections on something higher than the world does you can read the full chapter for context but um, see if you don't this don't make you think of a C.S. Lewis quote um, it did me. So let me read it. Verse 11. We have spoken to you freely, freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children, widen your hearts also. So Paul wanted them to widen their hearts to the affections of God. And uh, so that their affections wouldn't be contained to earthly things. Sometimes I think my own affections don't reach past the ceiling. Uh, they're still in this world. Um, does that make you think of a C.S. Lewis quote? Anybody? Here's what C.S. Lewis said. Maybe this will jog your memory. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. 
unquote. Yeah, it's a sad thing to know how this broken world is full of troubles on every side, and, and yet at the same time, and they bring us down, right? At the same time, we still seek the things of the world to satisfy us as they're bringing us down. But if our heart is open to Jesus, if our treasure is in Him, then, then we get it all. A life full of joy and an eternity of being accepted by God. So, um, let's see. Um, I think that I will say, now let me go ahead and I think I have time for this. Something else about um, that the Christian hedonism shares with worldly hedonism um, and gives honor to the thing or the one that it treasures. So if someone makes pornography their treasure, he honors what he rejoices in, right? He's given it an honor and holding it up. It's a form of worship to pornography. So Another example, men, it's the same with your wives. What if it were her birthday and you said, it would make me happier than anything else in the world. It would be my greatest joy to take you out for dinner. And what would your wife answer? What if she answered like this? Why are you always that way? Always thinking about yourself and what would make you joyful and happy, even on my own birthday. You know, what's got into you? Why is it always about you? No, she wouldn't say that, would she? Because taking her out and it making him happy to do so, it honors her, right? It honors her that you would find your joy and happiness and satisfaction in spending time with her. And that's how it is with God. He is honored and glorified when we find our greatest pleasure in Him. We find our greatest pleasure when He is our greatest treasure, not the promises of the world. So I, I'm going to close with a poem that I wrote as I was thinking about the topic for today's session. Uh, the title is not really that imaginative, but it is called this. It is called Christian Hedonism. There are many isms in the prism of schisms, like egotism, feminism, legalism, and criticism. But today, won't you listen to my optimism and the wisdom of Christian hedonism? Take the best endeavors of the human life. There's something far better than all their delights. A treasure past measure like what day is tonight, a pleasure fully suited for man's appetite. Wikipedia has officially registered Christian hedonism. Compared now, all else might be called rubbishism. People locked in prison by things that glisten. Dungism, lustism, smutism, the whole world is in derision. Because Jesus lived, died, and now has risen, he is my precious, my richest, my vision, my fortune, my mission. For now I'm forgiven, my treasure, my pleasure, my true hidden.